So I'll preface with how artists can have participated in the project of modernity or how they turn away. So the two examples um, of Zainul Abidin and um, Shahid Sajada exemplify how, while both artists have worked actively with the military government and state, but they've also broken up and done something different. Right? So there's, there's a paradox, so it's not a black and white. So the, their existence and their survival within um, Pakistan, and then after 71, um, what happened? So I'll begin. So my interest is a, in a comparative understanding of Shahid Sajjad's work with distinguished Zainal Abidin is more than academic. So I was born in Karachi, and I remember the hill tracks. I spent most of my school holidays in the shadows of the dense jungle. Today, it's a work in progress that I'm presenting. And it focuses, the work in progress is on um, Shahid's travels and artistic legacy, as his life and work complicate modernist primitivism, ideas of political agency, borders, and citizenship. Altogether, this study is part of a larger... Altogether, this study is a part of a larger research-based film for the recovery of what I don't remember and the questions I did not ask. In the South Asian context, in the years leading up to the partition in 1947, art history writing takes primitivism as a tool of resistance to the colonial rule and enforced modernity, tied with the idea of scientific progress, development. By positing the work of Shahid from the Rangamati period, side by side, 1950s short film on Zainal Abidin, I hope to open up contradictions um, inherent within discourses on nationhood um, and the anachronistic signaling of modern with technological advancement and rural with national. As a counter category, within going primitive impulse, I propose that a turn to nature can be cogitated as a figurative style with rural emphasis of Pakistani artists that resist neat recognizable categories within the formation of a national Muslim identity. Um, that is one that is, cannot be reduced to calligraphy or ornamental abstraction. So, Shilpa, so I'll give a brief introduction of the artist. Um, Shilpa Charya Zainal Abidin was born in 1914 and uh, that's him, later stage. Um, East Bengal, in Maiman Singh, East Bengal province, what was British India, present-day Bangladesh. Um, less well-known is Shahid from the collection of essays by Akbar Nakvi, titled Shahid Sajjad Sculpture 2007, It's Possible to Eke Out a Biographical Sketch. Shahid was born in Muzaffargarh, Uttar Pradesh, India, 1936, what was then again British India. He lost his father, father at the age of five. In 1943, the year Abedin was sketching his Bengal family series, Shahid moved to Lahore with his mother and elder siblings for better economic prospects. He moved to Karachi in 1951, initially with the hope to acquire a place of his own as part of the refugee resettlement program, and he ended up adopting the city as his home. 
By 1959, Shahid had worked his way up to the position of art director, yet he had remained dissatisfied with all his successes. And very much like the changing heads of state, in the first 11 years of Pakistan's existence, Shahid too spent the 50 switching jobs um, in the advertising industry. Towards the end of the decade, Shahid reached out to an Osaka-based uh, motorcycle manufacturing company and got them to gift him a 125cc motorcycle. And with the travel impulse readied, you know, he set off on a world tour. He returned to Karachi after more than um, three years in 1963 with only one firm decision that he was going to be you know, a sculptor and a woodcarver. He used to call himself a woodcarver. So this is um, one of the images from him being in Japan. While the biographical details of the two artists chart different trajectories, statesman, institution builder, <coughs> bohemian free thinker, Abedin was educated in Calcutta at the Government College of Art, and Shahid was largely self-taught. Both artists rejected academic styles of art making established by the institute set up in the 19th century under the aegis of the British Raj. They actively worked, looked for different solutions in their practice that cannot be subsumed under the rubrics of nationalism and identity politics. And like many of their peers, they thought of themselves as world citizens. But this is not unusual. Um, the British Empire stretched across the globe. You know, for better or for worse, that was the exposure. Um, and Shahid and Abidin, while a generation apart, still belong to the same historically cosmopolitan culture that Iftikhar Dadi discusses as Muslim South Asia in his book of 2010. Travel furthered the mode and manner of being in the world as exemplified by um, Abedin in his uh, ambassador capacity and Shahid on his motorcycle. It is during his travels that Shahid not only learned wood carving, mingling, mingling with uh, craftsmen and art students in Japan and Indonesia, but it's also a visit to the Louvre, um, an exhibition of uh, Gauguin's Tahitian wood carvings, you know, that sort of is pivotal to his decision to start making work. So this is um, Abedin as a statesperson, and quite often, um, you know, the East Pakistan College of Art and Arts and Crafts is referred to uh, as the Dhaka College of Arts and Crafts now. But anyway, this is how it was. Um, so let me go back. Sorry. Right. The 60s in Pakistan were as complex um, as they were defining. Artists were not alone in turning to the pastoral scene. The politicians, civil servants, and economic advisors to the government of Field Marshal Ayub Khan were also experimenting with the idea of basic democracy, with a rural bias, as it is popularly, popularly known, to contest the exclusivity of the parliamentary system. This program of economic restructuring with an emphasis on rural development was regardless just as problematic, especially in terms of foreign policy, as it was effective in bringing to the helm of statecraft the army, the bureaucracy, the rural population, the emigre industrialists, the old left, the new communists, including highly esteemed artists and poets such as Fez Ahmad Fez and Abidin in his capacity as an educationalist. Paradoxically, it can be argued that it's partly due to the mechanics of cultural diplomacy. 
coupled with authoritarian rule that enabled progressive ideas to take root in Pakistan. In keeping with economic times, dubbed as the decade of development, radio stations, um, the film industry, and the arts were given a boost and state support. At the same time, it was imagined that the arts could be used to quell murmurings of widespread youth and peasant uprising, further exacerbated by the heavy-handedness of West Pakistani political and armed forces elite to the Bengali language movement. As an example, critics have long held the view that the 1958 A.J. Kardar's Jaga Hua Savera, with screenplay penned by Fares, was an exercise in cultural diplomacy. Along the same lines, you know, given Abdulin's status as a cultural ambassador, um, so he, he had um, you know, met Nixon, Vice President Nixon, he had hung out with, uh, he, you know, this is Tito's wife. Um, and uh, that's uh, Abidin receiving pride of performance in 1959 by Ayub Khan as well. Um, so along the same lines, um, given Abidin's status as a cultural ambassador, his participation in series of short films symphonies and expression can be perceived as a good fit within this nation-building exercise. The film titles tell us that the series was made by Burma Shell to encourage art in Pakistan. So those are the, um, so this is Zainul Abidin, right? Um, likewise, AJ Kardar has directed the film. I'm showing you um, film stills because this film is under restoration. Um, so Fares has written the script and the narrative. The date and the narrator are not known. Right. Um, the voiceover is noticeable for it carries um, tone and authority, making full use of the clipped colonial um, you know, accent of the British educated elite. You know, likes of Jinnah, Nehru, SWRD, Bandaranaika, Ayub Khan, Yaya Khan. And albeit in this instance, speaking for the military and the oil corporation. Short on 16 millimeters, the film, um, the opening sequence of the film, Zainul Abidin. Um, you know, there you go, classic, right? Um, is set in rural Bengal by the banks of the Brahmaputra um, amidst frenzy of country boats um, carrying people and cargo. We also see Abdin at work in a room that could be his studio. So we have, um, so that's him working, right? Um, and the film features his well-known works, such as uh, his uh, Santal so famine sketches, right? Um, the Santal women and the travel sketches from Mexico. So because he traveled to Mexico in 1956, and that's the last body of work that's featured in the film, you know, you can guess the film would be after 1956 and 60, between, that's the date, I'm guessing. In Fez's description, the drawings and paintings of Abedins are emblematic of the essential kinship of common folk, their fortitude, their suffering, and strength. And although Abedin experimented with many styles, his main theme remained, in Fez's words, the majesty of man and beast united in fruitful toil, measuring their strength against an unkind world. 
The appearance of the films of its time and can be compared to early films of Satya Ditre, Merinal Sen, Federico Fellini, and ahead of its time, as it operates much like the artist shorts that were commissioned by big museums, international biennials, blue chip galleries, in particular that link arts program to modernity development progress with free market, much like Ayubhan's decade of development. And that's the problem. In the late 60s, Pakistan was still an agriculture-based society. The benefits of industrialization under Ayub Khan were largely uneven. The rural bias of basic democracy had been managed to control the extent of labor unrest and problems of income and economic disparity between East and West Pakistan. In the midst of this turmoil, Shahid turned east to the heartland of the hill tracks that had remained closed till the 60s. So why didn't he go on his first tour because they were closed? Events leading to Shahid's stay in the hill tracks is telling how things in the drawing room were a contrast to the streets in 65. As recounted by Nakvi, it is through a, a network of contacts and a series of fortuitous meetings that Shahid finally makes it to the jungles. So you can see the map. Um, so the first trip was set for the region of Sajik which you see on top, which is 100 miles upstream on the Karnafuli River and 20 miles through a trek through the jungle. Sajid, to much, much of Shahid's dis disappointment, was a developed Raj outpost. Um, and then so he just decided to turn back. Um, but however, because his journey back was much slower, he ended up uh, stopping at a remote settlement um, called Marishia. And that's where he decided to stay. So this is a letter written to him by his Japanese friends while he was based um, in Rangamati. So there's a post box in Rangamati, you know, at uh, that time. And this settlement was um, people belonging to the many indigenous tribes that were dislocated due to the Kaptai Dam project. In his essay, Grove of Mauritia, Nakvi writes that the area was swarmed with personnel of the Pakistan army. Shahid's presence was not without suspicion. The year was 1965, post-India-Pakistan war. Friends helped ensure Shahid's well-being. For instance, Saeed Ahmad, controller of military accounts, sent a message across with words along the line stating that Shahid was a harmless sculptor who was anything but a threat to Pakistan's national security. Over again, with the help of contacts, Shahid was able to secure for his bungalow, and then he set to work immediately. Much has been written on Shahid's modernist tendencies along the lines of textbook principles on modern art. So there's another example. Those are the people. Um, sorry, I might be running over. Um, much has been written on Shahid's modernist tendencies almost along textbook principles defining modern art. Formless analysis of Rangamati period is somewhat an idealized account of his subject matter. The ordinary yet the primordial man and woman and requires unpicking the binary distinctions between formalist and socially engaged practices. While it may be accurate that working alone afforded intense concentration and affinity with material as Shahid saw compatibility between what he saw in the material form, <coughs> realism you know, I'm saying, is, was not limited to truth to the material. A more radical way is to um, look at the work as a challenge to the so-called Ayubhaniyas of economic development. The Kaptai hydraulic project of the 60s is a large dam project that cut across the Karnafuli River of the Chittagong Hill Tracks, flooding 40% of the region's valley lands, dislocating 100,000 people, 
and most of these belong to the Chakma tribe, the Aboriginal people. Shahid must have witnessed his, um, with the eyes of a young child, his world change, you know, as power changed hands with the division of India into two independent countries, right? So, um, so this is the sort of work he was producing. So I'm gonna fast forward. Um, so in 1947, Muslims made 2% of the population of the hill tracks uh, and formed an incongruity with the tribal communities in Pakistan that, was la that largely shared a Muslim borrowed code with some exceptions, but they lived in the high altitude areas of the Hindu Kush and were not naked. So that was a problem that they were considered to be naked. Um, the group of figures from the you know, hill tracks reveals the politics of nudity and exposes hypocrisy of the nationalist elites and post-colonial intellectuals raising the issue of minority rights within discourses of nationalism. Allegedly, nudity of the tribal people makes them outside of civilization and with it, a disqualification as fully-fledged um, citizens. So if you compare, you know, um, this is still stills from Abedin, and these are his sort of sketches. And this is what Shahid comes up with. And that's what I was meant by uh, politics of nudity. Right? Um, so I'm going to end. You know, it is this quietness in the face of adversity, grace, you know, that the works uh, embody. And I, I'm saying they also intuit a sub subaltern consciousness. Um, not only does Shahid's work serve as a critique of modernity, but the figures serve as a measure to evaluate colonialist attitudes inherent in modernist primitivism as a trope for white man's othering of, of the primitive, the Aboriginal people whose land and wealth laid the foundation of empires. So I'm going to end there.